They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole we found. Welcome to another edition of Down the Rabbit Hole Newscast, where our crew of Monday morning InfoSec quarterbacks discusses the important events affecting enterprise security and provides their unique analysis and perspective. And now, James Jardine, Michael Santarcangelo, and the White Rabbit, Rafael Los. All right, folks, good morning. Welcome to the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast, episode 109. We are on the newscast this morning. It is uh, September 9th, 2014. With me is my good buddy, Mr. Michael Santarcangelo. Good morning to you, sir. Greetings from a rainy beach, but it's still probably better than where everybody else is because I have access to the ocean. I, I don't have access to the <laughs> ocean, but it is uh, probably, I don't know, about 70s, mid-70s. It's uh, Or 62 degrees, never mind. So my thermometer is 62 degrees, um, but it's beautifully sunny and it's not ridiculously humid. I will take it. We, we get summer here a little bit late sometimes in the Midwest, uh, and it usually lasts about a day and a half or so, so we're, we're, we're happy with it. So, so you'll have a good summer. You know, it's interesting. You and I keep talking about data and uh, data like our temperatures. How do you feel about storing your health data in the cloud? Uh, almost as much as I feel, uh, almost as good as I feel about uh, storing my uh, naked pictures in the cloud. Just kidding. I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> well, I can't get that image out of my head now. <laughs> and, and I just, just to be clear, I don't actually know what that image would look like. I've just got a thought, and it's not good either way. Oh man, so so much. Uh, so Apple's uh, Apple's in the news, folks. Uh, if you <laughs> if you haven't noticed, uh, your cave doesn't get uh, the inner tubes, um, but. It's warning. So Apple, what is warning developers not to store health data in the iCloud? Um, it should have warned celebrities not to store nude pictures in the iCloud. Um, so we've got a breach and some advice and some security stuff coming up from uh, from Apple. Uh, some breach investigation. Let's round this up, Michael. Yeah, and and let's go back because what I think is interesting about the the Apple's warning to the developers about the health data is what they with the so. Apple's coming up with an announcement this week, and there's a lot of speculation that we're going to start getting more and more towards these wearables. And these wearables then are going to collect all sorts of data about uh, our, our bodies, our lives. The growth hackers have got to be fantastically happy and excited about this. And so Apple just basically came back and they said, hey, we have this thing called HealthKit. But by the way, in our App Store review guidelines, we're very clear that you cannot store users health information in the i in iCloud if you do we will reject it you store that stuff locally you don't store it in the cloud which is going to be interesting because people who like to use these things across multiple devices have been relying on iCloud from some sort of a synchronization and iCloud's been largely a closed system so it's 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 kind of interesting as we take a look at that especially because that's in the week of the quote-unquote hacking but you know I guess now we got to start saying wait was it a breach or was it a pretty targeted attack of people guessing celebrities' passwords who, you know, tend to reuse them? You know, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, I'm not sure that that, that is altogether solved. I mean, I, I think we've, we've gotten all the official statements. So I think the chain of events when something like this, 
lots of celebrities and i'm not going to repeat the name of the uh, 4chan because it's it's an unfortunate naming convention um so 4chan releases a cache of cache of celebrity nude photos um and everybody says hey the only connection is they're all apple icloud users um and apple says no no it wasn't us definitely wasn't us we're but we're going to investigate anyway and then it, then it basically is like uh yeah we're investigating a possible breach oh wait that wasn't a breach um you know it was it was silly silly celebrities using password one and uh paris hilton's dog's name uh, and Kim for Kim Kardashian and all sorts of things. And by the way, why are you storing graphic pictures of yourself if you're under 18 on the uh, on the iCloud? Uh, and then trying to sue people for it. Uh, and then, of course, comes the famous, um, hey, uh, it wasn't really a breach, but we're going to upgrade our security. Right. Well, yeah, and look, I, I see both sides of that. But, but I, I think, and this is why... I keep pushing for we need to just have some realistic discussions about this because let's go back for a second, right? A lot of people will tell us, well, if it's on the internet, you know, it should be secure. Like email. Guys, email is akin to sending a postcard. So if it's not something that you would want somebody else to be able to read, even though they may not and they're not likely to, you know, there's some consideration that needs to get put into it because if, if we're not clear politically in the States at least – Email is is a focus a lot lately and what people say or don't say in emails. Well, now it's the same type of thing. So now we've got our health data and we're, and we're going to start storing that and we're storing pictures of ourselves and other types of things into it. And, and what it means at some point, too, is that, you know, where's the personal responsibility to this? Where is somebody stepping back for a second and saying, OK, if I take this picture, if I store this data and I put it into this situation what what are the potential outcomes? And then and then that leads to some really dark, crazy stuff fast. Then you go, what are the likely outcomes? Likelihood of of somebody who's really not known storing that data versus somebody who's a celebrity and getting a lot of attention, it's a magnitude of order difference. And at some point somebody has to make a decision and say, Yeah, this maybe isn't the best decision for me. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, uh so much so much to do with this but um i i think this highlights you know another topic that's been hot lately is is the personal public cloud storage thing a good idea now from a usability perspective it's a fantastic idea i i do lots of um uh, personal uh uh, public cloud storage kind of stuff. Um, I, I see, you know, I see no issue with it if it's done responsibly. And my caveat is if it's done responsibly. And I repeat myself, if it's done responsibly, um, I think I should put that on a T-shirt. Just as dot dot dot. If it's done <laughs> responsibly, uh, as all things in life, you know, you you are the um, sole person responsible for the stupid things that you do, and. Let, let's go for, you know, and I have no issues with you know, vain celebrities taking uh, photos of themselves and, uh, and, and you know, sending them to each other just, just as long as there's no Bieber uh, shots anywhere because I don't think the world's ready for that and the level of chaos and, and mayhem that that would cause. But um, <laughs> great, here comes, you know, stuff from Bieber's PR. I'm sure they yeah, listen to the say, podcast, right? Good, good luck with that, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but realistically, look – Guys, that was James Jardine that said that. Right, that was that was James. I'm channeling James. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna kill us. Yes. <laughs> but um, the re- look, the reality is, know what you're storing, know where it's going. At least find out. Don't ever assume that someone is gonna do security for you, and that someplace you're putting things, 
uh, is is safe or that any website you browse to is safe or whether it's healthcare uh, whether it's healthcare data in the iCloud or it's healthcare.gov. Yeah, and so but then let's softball. Well, and let's go back to that dot 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 you know with responsibility. So so just so we're clear, Apple. And I get it. A lot of people don't like the secrecy of Apple and and therefore, right? And we have a general rule in security that says the more secretive you are, the less likely you are to actually be secure. And it's been fairly proven from time to time. So, you know, it's it's good, good general rule. But but let's say for a second that that the way that this went down is pretty much the way that they said it. It's not us. Okay. It's related to iCloud, but it's not us. It's people who didn't do intelligent things on their side, right? By the way, let's, let's, I, I use the word intelligent. That's, I sometimes rail against that, but, but whatever it was. So they said, okay, you know what? I think we're going to look at it a little bit differently. That's actually kind of intelligent from their perspective, because although there's this, there's a piece of me that says, so wait a minute. So a celebrity nude pictures get shared and, and now we're going to take security seriously. Oh, fantastic. Flip side. Oh, wait, that's what it took. Uh, Okay. And so Apple looked at it and said, you know what? I don't really want to take the hit, right? I mean, their stock took a hit last week. I'm sure it'll bounce back. But but the point to it is, so now they're going to say, you know what? We are going to do stuff differently. And and we're going to we're going to track information differently. My guess is we're just going to tell you now that we're tracking information differently and we're going to start to embed and, and do different stuff around security. Okay. Right. So that's just, just that's a response to the marketplace. I'm not terribly I'm not deeply concerned that that they're turning around now and saying, oh, look at us. We're going to make a change. Good. Actually, glad they're making a change. Seems somewhat responsive. Um, that means somebody else could go, well, they should have done it in the first place. Okay, but they didn't. They're doing it now. It doesn't absolve us of that responsibility, though. And the question I still have is, where do we merge the two? Right? You and I got talking about this. It didn't go far, but we're talking about security seals. And, and if security seals help people or not. And, and the the informal stuff we did, it was kind of like, no, not really. And so as you and I were discussing with folks on, on the Twitters, and, and guys, we really do engage in these conversations and enjoy them, you know, kind of came around to, well, maybe we're thinking about it differently, but, but there's the big caveat. What is the seal measuring and, and how does that help somebody make a better decision? And so the question then is, as we have these conversations with people, good, good for the guidelines with iCloud or anything else, good, good for our discussions of personal responsibility. But if somebody doesn't understand how these things fundamentally work, then where where's the disconnect and whose responsibility it is to close those gaps? And you know, and I think we have some role in it. I'd be curious what other people think. And for that, hashtag DTR. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Oh boy. So moving on to the other healthcare uh, issue that I softballed you a few seconds ago before you, uh, before you. Uh, um, yeah. Sorry, man. <clears throat> ranted. Um. So healthcare.gov got quote hacked. Uh, we uh, we've heard about it and it's been politicized. A uh, big hat tip to Mr. Uh, Dave Kennedy who tried to go before Congress and warn them, to which they vilified uh, and made it a political issue. I know, shocking politicians. Um, so the Wall Street Journal broke the news that uh, hacker breached healthcare.gov insurance site. Uh, they up- uploaded malicious software, but don't worry. Here it comes. You ready? <laughs> no, consumers' personal data did not appear to be taken. I'm relieved. I'm waiting for the breach that says, yeah, this is as bad as we thought. You're all screwed. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. You might be waiting for a while. 
So uh, you look, the one thing, if nothing else, um, not, not to not to beat this one to, to a bloody pulp because I'm sure every, there's a bajillion articles from both sides of the aisle and bipartisan and hackers and, and clueless people alike. And, and I mean, sorry, journalists, um, just kidding. Um, anyway, so the thing that bugs me, um, not that the fact that somebody uploaded uh, so I'm going to read a sentence from the National Review uh, article that I that I I'm keying on uh, one of my favorite sentences in this is despite numerous policies and best practices governing security comma the healthcare.gov server was only guarded by a default password and it quote had such low security settings because it was never meant to be connected to the internet now um if you're sitting there at your desk on the train in, in traffic, uh, on a bike, I don't know, walking to work, whatever, um, and but ultimately you're thinking about the, uh, office work, um, and you're saying to yourself, <laughs> my, that's never happened to me. I've never had a server that was supposed to be uh, just for dev test or a prototype that, that got connected to the Internet. Uh, allow me to introduce you to the things that are underneath all your developers' desks. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the interesting underscore, right? Because the headline says, it was hacked. And then you go a little deeper and it goes, well, actually, what happened was there's a test server, and a test server is what got attacked. But, but what you're pointing out is actually equally salient. So, so the argument now is, it's okay, though, it was a test server. Look, I, I, I'm looking at the actual journal article, and there's, there's a line in here from a, a senior DHS official, unnamed, quote, if this happened anywhere other than healthcare.gov, it wouldn't even be news. What? Uh, folks, I mean, I, I've been following breaches pretty intensely now for eight years. One of the best ways to pop in and break something is in a test server because either your code gets carried in, there's a connection that you can exploit, or when is the last time somebody was using a test server and, and truly used sanitized data? I'm going to answer that for you because I've, I've just gotten through several... Uh, in the last six months, different um, ISO-based and other kinds of reviews of corporate policy. And if you ask the people that make policy, the answer is we never do that. If you ask the developers, you go, yeah, we take developer uh, copies of uh, live data all the time to use it for tests. That's all we know how to do. Well, yeah, because because every time we try to sanitize stuff and give it to them, it, it, they'll get it to work in, in test environment, and then they'll bring it over, and, and the real production data fails. So their answer is, well, screw it. We'll bring the production data. So by the way, then, this means we have still this huge gap in the industry. So we're using live data on test servers that aren't up to the security patches, don't have the same security controls, and are often connected to the Internet. So, you know, and, and it's interesting that the attribution on this, well, um, in fact, if you, I, I looked at the exact quote uh, that they shared um, they found no evidence that consumers' personal data were taken or viewed, right? That's a HIPAA thing. Wasn't even viewed. Yeah. Yeah. I doubt that. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I, I, you know, okay. The, if, 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 the, if you've got a default password uh, that was never changed, your investigative practices to tell me that uh, nothing, was, nothing was even viewed, I'm going to go ahead and not believe you if that's okay. <clears throat> um. Yeah, well, because think about it. If you're using a default password, what are your log files? Or, I'm sorry, did you even turn them on? <laughs> and and if Logging, you did, what, what what are they what are they tracking? How are you looking at it? What are they? Yeah, and so so the interesting thing about this though too, and this is something you raised, is um, the time frame on it. So so this when this happened, 
the uh, the attack now they believe happened in July, and they figured it out in August. Is that a, is that good or is that bad? Okay. By the way, it's a year later that we're talking about it. That's a separate issue. I was gonna say, you, you mean this August, this past August? Oh no, a year ago. So I don't know. I, I that bugs me, um, and it goes to this this. Uh, this article that, that I keep pointing to, but it says, also disturbing, at both federal and state level, also add enterprise to this. Uh, it's taking far too long for the government and or enterprise to detect attacks. Now, we are getting better. There are numbers that you suggest and studies and surveys that suggest we are getting better. Unfortunately, the, the number of hacks and number of breaches continues to climb it and escalate at a pace that we're not keeping up with. So ultimately, we're getting worse. I think this goes for software security. I think this goes for every kind of security where the incremental gains we're making are outpaced by the the, the incremental bad uh, or the exponential bad, which means we're losing faster. Uh, that that any, Anyway, so that that's just a side note. But you're right. There are I, – I love, I love the fact that they say it's a daily security scan that discovered the issue weeks later. Weeks later. Yep. I don't – Wait, hold on. Daily, weeks later. Yep. Uh, that's, what doesn't work in my head right there? Am I yep. am I yep. missing this? Yep. And, and don't worry, we've got a plan, and we'll tell you about it a year from now. Because keep mind, right? But by the way, you know, let's go back to that comment. If this was anybody other than healthcare, healthcare.gov, it wouldn't be news. Okay, that's simply untrue. More importantly, if this was anybody other than healthcare.gov, you would be required to disclose this. And or you'd be scrutinized and then, you know, at some level probably vilified for not doing enough for prevention. But what are we talking about the whole time here? It's detection. What, is our, what are our detection capabilities look like? And, and one of the things that we talk about regularly on this program is that prevention is fine. I, I'm never going to suggest that we stop prevention. But Gartner came out with some stats that, you know, right now the average company spends 10% or less on detection and response. And, and when I go out and talk to companies, they look at me deadpan and go, 10%, that'd be awesome. I don't get that much. So of their budgets, we are predominantly focusing on prevention, prevention, prevention. I, they're never going to get in, but, but they are. And so the way that we make those incremental gains then is, is we have to be able to say, okay, how quickly can we detect it and how appropriately can we respond? And I think what kind of bugs me about this is that, Healthcare.gov says, oh, we got a plan. Don't worry. We'll know. And, and then they didn't. They, they didn't know as fast as they thought they would. They didn't seem to really have a plan. And, and our plan is, um, uh, we looked. We're good. Carol, come on, guys. And, and I don't care. Make this, make this a, a company. I mean, in fact, let's, let's go ahead and cross the streams. I think we have a new target, everybody. It's now Home Depot. Welcome to your new whipping boy. Yeah, and, and whatever the issue at Home Depot, you know, it's it's clear they got beaten in much the same way that Target is now. Although, we're, you know, there's uh, there's still lots to be said here uh, as the investigation continues. But you know, uh, I suspect that it's going to be a mu very similar type of uh, breach because they're talking about how many stores and which stores got hit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but again, I wonder what the time between uh, actual breach and the, the, the detection thereof is. I mean, are we talking days? Are we talking months? Are we talking, you know, uh, last year sometime? You know, what's what's the time frame for when you guys got breached at you know, Home Depot? And um, 
when it's when it's going to be time to uh, to kind of figure this out, right? And, and announce it and all the other stuff. Um, and and uh, Michael, the the uh, the fact that they got hit by uh, malware um, is kind of disturbing because. I wonder if it's the same network things they're failing at that Target did, where they didn't segment networks properly. They had all the blinky, shiny, screaming toys at them uh, that were screaming at them and telling them there was bad things going on, but they simply had no process or operational capability to to do anything about it. Um, You know, I don't know. Let me take this a different direction. First of all, uh, just as an aside, uh, so Brian Krebs is reporting as of yesterday that it's the same malware. So, so Home Depot and Target now share uh, a common Ooh, no black, black POS. Now, that's what Brian's reporting. He has a good reputation on this type of stuff, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of interesting. Here's how I look at it, though. So I, I'm very clear that I love the concept of chip and pin, but I think the implementation of it is horrible, and I think that any time we're pushing for it, we're doing really bad things. Here's the thing that's more interesting. These POS terminals which I know is supposed to mean point of sale, but that never seems to register when I say POS. Not in my mind. None of them are designed to be POS terminals. They are all operating. I mean, gosh, we talked about Windows XP and the XP uh, POS version, and I'm not knocking Windows because it doesn't matter. They're not hardened. They're not purpose-built. They're not designed for this, and I think what I'd rather see than wasting billions of dollars on chip and pin to do zero from a fraud perspective is to say, uh, I think there's a couple basic things here, and, and we wrote about this at, at the time of Target, the first of which is, what POS systems are you using, number one? Number two, what indicators are you looking for? And then number three, you know, what are you detecting and how quickly can you react to it? And, and, and I, you know, I've got an article I'm, I'm working on, so I'm going to foreshadow it here because I'd love some discussion on it. But I think it's interesting because we also keep saying, well, I mean, they had detection. They got 300,000 alerts over a 30-minute period. Yeah, that's called noise, everybody. I mean, you know, if it wasn't Pretty a 30 minutes. You know, and so the question is not, are, are you getting alerts? It's, are you detecting the right stuff? And, and so what I'm going to write about then is that, because it's interesting sometimes that the people who are detecting it are also the ones coming in and getting big bucks to do the forensics and the cleanup on it. Hmm. I'd kind of like you to get a little better at detection, but does that kill your bottom line? Huh. So I, I don't know. I want to write about that. It's it's probably not going to be excited for everybody, but I'm curious if if anybody's got an opinion on it, uh, I'd like to hear about it. But but yeah, I mean, but but now look at the way that people are handling Target or, or not Target now, the new Target, Home Depot. This could be bigger than Target. Uh huh. I'm sorry. What's the problem here, folks? Well, it's payment cards. People had to get a new payment card issued. Okay, then don't use it. Use cash. I mean, there's no right to a payment card. By the way, um, like I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that we're now starting to focus on some of the wrong things because it's exciting, it's sexy, and and I, I'm getting deeply concerned, right? And I mean, I, I made the comment off mic to to you and to James before. I wrote a book on breaches, and I'm starting Literally. to experience breach fatigue. Like, you know, I'm getting to the place now where it's like, okay, I got it. Yeah, someone else got popped. But, but I like your question. So how long did it take them to detect it? And what are they doing about it? Yeah, I, I think that's that's really the 
the the thing that's important um and, and politicizing this uh, uh it seems that some of the um, images and stuff that brian was talking about that this is basically anti-american anti-american malware right that they're uh, this is uh, the russians kind of coming back at us for imposing sanctions etc cetera, etc cetera. um okay fine um these types of things will happen um, because we are a technology-focused uh, nation and many other com- countries are coming up right behind us. We have things other people want. Uh, we have commerce and finance that other people want, and, uh, and so they, w- they will attack us. Hey, that sounds a little bit like our friends over in Norway who are currently the uh, oil and gas uh, uh, big honchos, right? They've, they've got all the exploration stuff going on, and the National Security Authority of Norway, the n- not not yeah, the NSM. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say. Let I me was hear gonna you try to pro- I was gonna try to pronounce that, but it's there, there's way too many consonants and vowels in this. this and you thing. thought Santarcangelo was hard. Good lord, I can at least pronounce your name. But anyway, so. Um, so Statoil, uh, Norway's largest oil company, was a, was a target of attack. Um, there's a lot of other companies there that are being attacked. Hey, welcome to what the U.S. has been dealing with too, right? I mean, this is now a global pandemic where if you have something somebody wants, particularly oil field data, exploration data, uh, gold mining data, diamond mine, whatever it is that, that you have that other people want, um, there's a nation state someplace that will either pay them, support them, or look the other way uh, while that you siphon it off and uh, and it gets into their hands. I mean, whether it's it's Norway and the oil information or the U.S. and credit card data, this is just it, – it, to me, it's almost irrelevant. It just means we got to do better security, guys. Well, it also means we've got to think things through. So, so another theme that we've brought up on this program when we talked about Windows XP, it, it lasted for an exceptionally long time, and we, are, we still have people that are using it today for a variety of reasons, many of which are completely valid. What it means is our assumptions when we built these systems weren't valid. So let's look at the oil and gas industry. Now, I, I haven't d- done work on the oil and gas industry in Norway, but, but I know that we constantly see reports around the utility sector in the United States and how we rely on SCADA controls, and, and it's just frightening to look at them. So I, I accept that. But when I, when I work with my clients in these sectors, I always say, cool, tell me why. Show me. Like, don't stop telling me. Show me, but explain why. And, and you start looking like in the energy sector in particular, a lot of these energy plants and the places that use SCADA controls, they're using systems from the 90s. And, and by the way, they're embedded systems, and they were built out in the 90s to the tune of multiple millions of dollars. But there's a real key thing here. It used to be if you had that job, you drove out three hours you know, every day or, or whatever, and, and you were there. And you weren't connected to the internet because at the time, the internet didn't necessarily exist the way it did now. And you had people that would drive out there. What's changed then is that as the, as the marketplace has changed, getting someone to drive out to these places is getting tougher and tougher. And somebody says, well, you know what, I'll do it, but I want remote connectivity. Okay, so now we're taking systems that were never designed for any sort of this interconnectedness and, and, we're, and we're connecting them up. So I'm looking at, you know, there's 300 oil and energy companies in Norway uh, that, that are being targeted, that have been warned, that have to take a look at it. Sure, but they're probably using systems that worked perfectly fine when it was just on the oil field or on the rig or on the whatever, and the information was sneaker netted back or handled, or, or it wasn't. It was just dealt with on scene. Or in and, paper. 
yeah, and then the reports were, were sent back to the main office, but now it's all connected. And, and I don't have a problem with it all being connected, but, but now what's happened is we predicated our security on a set of assumptions, and those assumptions are no longer valid. We also predicated our security on a set of uh, ass- assessments and threats that are probably no longer valid. And, and then we wonder, what's changed? Go back. It's the same thing with, with Target and Home Depot and anybody else using a POS terminal. Okay, well, how was it designed? Who designed it? What, what were the assumptions around that? What was the threat model around that? And chances are there wasn't one. Well, it, I was going to say was, that, that that's, the, that's the catch right there is, you know, how, I, we, we're still teaching how to do threat modeling uh, to, to many folks. And uh, those that, that don't understand or those that simply aren't doing it, uh, I think, are, are causing uh, long-term issues that we're going to be dealing with for the next 10, 15 plus years because these systems are never meant to evolve and participate in the types of activities that soon somebody's going to think about, right? So how do you design for the unknown? Well, you have to collapse the perimeter for security. You have to assume that things are going to be attacked in ways that you don't currently understand. So how do you how do you protect that, right? How do you right. uh, how do you create it? Well, it has to be updatable remotely uh, in, in, a tr- in a semi-trusted manner. It's, a, it's basically like designing software that can up- be remotely updated. You know, it's like, kind of like Chrome right now, right? Um, you know, Google may be getting a little cavalier, and I'll let you explain it because you wrote the article, but Google may be getting a little bit, of ca- little bit cavalier, but they, you don't have to – they're not having to send, you know, alerts to, to your mailbox or whatever. Google Chrome just updates whether you like it or not, and then you close the browser – and it, and it's and you're like hey it updated, uh, but it doesn't even sometimes tell you that it updated except for that little that orange thing that's in the top right in the in the hamburger uh, stack uh, uh, menu bar thingy, where it turns glows orange and then it glows red and says hey um, stupid you really should restart let your browser and let me update this thing. Um, but Things you learn. I didn't know that. Huh. I must just restart it enough that I don't I don't pay attention. I do know on the Chromebook that we, we picked up for the kids for school, uh, that gives you a little indicator when it's time to reboot because it updates automatically. Right, right. Hey, so what's this uh, Google? Well, so, so let's, let's take right? a look at it because Google, uh, you know, I remember getting into debates with people on Twitter, so I seriously do enjoy these debates, about um, whether Google, uh, people wanted Google to go all SSL. Uh, that, that was the deal. You, you should force HTTPS. Google, you should do this. And at the time, uh, I had helped some clients look at, you know, the, the, the cost, the performance, the hit, the everything else. And, and my argument was you shouldn't force Google to do it. If Google wants to do it, Google will do it. Well, Google did it and, and good for Google. Well, now it turns out Google's got, uh, they love security and, and they, they really like the idea of security. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, they announced, hey, if you use SSL, you're going to have priority in your search results because we think that you're protecting people's information uh, and, and so we think that's better. Well, so on the heel of that, and something we haven't talked about too, too much on this program, but uh, when you have a certificate, it, it gets signed. And it's a fun thing to explain. Uh, and, and if you need help you know, understanding it better, I can find some links or, or we can certainly chat about it. But basically, they're using a hashing algorithm called SHA-1. Uh, and SHA-1 in recent years has been shown by researchers to be potentially vulnerable uh, to an attack which means somebody else can recreate a SHA-1 hash even though they've modified the data, and that's pretty much against what you want with, with SHA-1. 
And it's largely because the increase in our computing power and our understanding of mathematics and stuff. So the solution is you just you change out. You use SHA, the SHA-2 family. We used to call it SHA-256. There's some variants into it. So there's a SHA-2 family. And uh, the industry, you know, Microsoft, Google, uh, the major CAs, everybody else came together and they said, okay, we think that by 2020 this is going to be a problem. So let's get off of all of these SHA-1 signed certificates Let's get off of them by 2017. Let's, let's be done with it. And everybody kind of put forth a, a program. And, and actually, it was Microsoft spearheaded it. And they said, okay, so here's the deal. We're going to stop issuing the certs on this time frame, and we're going to stop recognizing them as of 2017. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Google said, yeah, we got a different plan. Here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to degrade the experience for users in our Chrome browser if you're using a 2017 cert after mid-February. And, and so, so Just basically, clear, instead of two February years, this year, 2015, 2015. Yeah. So, so, so basically, instead of two years, they've said, yeah, um, no, we want it done by, by 2015. We want it done by February, mid Q1, 2015. And so with the next planned uh, uh, updates to Chrome, now I, I've looked at this, I didn't get deep, deep, deep into it. But what they basically said was that if you're using a certificate that's set to expire in 2017, uh, you're going to be at the biggest jeopardy. If you're using a certificate that's set to expire in 2016, you'll get some as we get later into the cycle. Uh, and if you're set to expire 2014, well, then quite frankly, we're expecting you to just deal with this properly. 2015 also seems to be one of those things they're not so concerned about. So what they're looking at is they don't want to run into a problem two years from now. But but when we talk about degrading the experience for the for the users of the Chrome browser, which by the way, when I looked it up the other day, Chrome's got anywhere between a 40 and 50% market share of a browser. So that's, that's a good number of people. What they're going to start doing is, is showing you a warning in the bar. And then uh, as it progresses, they're going to start, you know, essentially, quote, breaking the security and showing you, hey, we don't trust this anymore. And then its last thing is to actually have a click through. It's going to block you and say, are you sure you want to go to this site? So, so here's the thing as I look at it. I wasn't terribly upset when they said, hey, if you use SSL, you're going to get better search rankings. I mean, you can get an SSL cert these days, 15 bucks. They're not the really spiffy, cool, extended validation, blah, blah, blah certs, but, but they're 15 bucks. You, you can get a cert. Uh, and we're seeing performance costs not so high. Okay, cool. But here, here's the challenge, right? So, so there's two parts. There's tactics and timing. So they basically said, we're kind of one of the big dogs with the browsers, and we think this is important. And we're going to do it. Boom. So if you're, if you're a business and you rely on consumers and you rely on commerce, you need to take this pretty seriously. This is where the timing gets into it. If you're in the retail space, you're going to go into lockdown somewhere in the next 45 to 60 days because we typically don't make changes in the retail environment unless absolutely necessary. And even then, sometimes we don't because we don't want to do anything that's going to screw up Q4 revenue or any of the, the Q1 stuff now that we start to see happening. And so essentially, these major changes are set to start impacting people during all of that timing. You know, and, and if you only got one or two certs, not necessarily a big deal. But now we've got to take a look at, okay, well, what about your servers? What kind of server configuration do you have? What kind of load balancers do you have? Can they handle it? Can they handle the split certs, right? And there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff to it that, on one hand, you go, oh, you're just flipping out a cert. That's easy, right? Uh, yeah, for one or two, no argument. What if you have a 1,000? 
what if you have a thousand and you have an organization that actually tests everything? Is, is this a one week project? Is this a three month project? Is it right? And so, so by compressing two years to five months or six months, right? We, we have about less than six months, five months. I, what I'm really curious about is, you know, what do you think? I mean, we, we cry in this industry all the time that people don't take security seriously and what's going to change and when are people going to take it seriously? So Google just stepped up. They seem to be taking it pretty seriously. By the way, unless I'm mistaken, I haven't seen anybody attack SHA-1 in the wild yet definitively. So, I mean, does this need to get done by February? Or was 2017 okay? Was 2017 ahead of the curve? I, I don't know. I mean, these, these are the things that I'd, I'd love some feedback on. Uh, I did write about this for CSO. There are some comments on it. I'd love to see some more because, because this, these are the types of conversations we want to have. Because, by the way, if we like the tactics then great, let's encourage more private companies to do it. If we're concerned about the timeline, then that let's not attack people on timeline, but let's let's have some conversations about it and see what makes sense. I don't know, what do you think, Ref? Oh, so on one end, I can say, hey, look, um, Google has found something to do with the fact that there's such a massive uh, force to be reckoned with, right? Uh, with great po uh, power comes great responsibility. Um, so the fact that they have, you know, they are the de facto search company. They are getting a massive uh, ownership of browser uh, market quickly. Uh, and, and people turn to them for search rankings and such. So with that, there is great responsibility and great pressure on them to be the leader, the forerunner, the policymaker, and in some case, the forcing factor, which is fantastic. I think in this case, they may be just a bit overzealous for all the reasons that you mentioned, and they can very quickly go from the hero to the bully. Um, and and I think that you can go from people's in people's eyes from being their savior to their downfall rather easily. And I and I kind yeah, didn't, of wonder. Didn't Apple just experience that? Who? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Right, yeah, as, as, as movie star after movie star erases their iCloud account. Um, right, like, isn't that like right before the announcement of the iPhone 6? Ooh, bad timing, bad timing. Right. Um, it's, anyway, so I think in this case, Google may have gotten a little bit overzealous. I think ultimately, is it good for the industry? Maybe. I'm, 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 think, I think, I'm thinking that the jury's still out on that simply because... Um, you have you can actually cause more pain and confusion and uh, and issues than than you really ultimately want to, and I think that's a bad thing. Yeah, and, and I let me just point out something that, that I've said for years when it comes to certificates and it comes to the use of SSL or really more now TLS, guys. Just because doesn't mean that you're secure. It just means it's just protecting transport layer. It's not, it doesn't mean you're storing data properly. It doesn't mean you understand the fundamentals of encryption. It doesn't mean you salted anything. It does, there's, there's so many other layers to this. So the other part that I get a little nervous about is that, you know, I, I like the idea of forcing some of these changes. And I, I guess some of the discussion needs to then be around, so what's, what's our responsibility as an industry? Wh where's the level of education that we need to have? Where's the level of discussion that we need to have? And what are the things that we need to be able to do, right? Because, I mean, if we think about the themes we're talking about 
today. We're talking about, so what's your, what's your detection look like? What's your capability to respond look like? What's your ability to, d- to discuss this and, and have productive conversations with people? And, and those are all going to be really interesting things, especially as, as the nature changes. Let's, let's finish up talking about ransomware because I got to tell you, I discounted it pretty aggressively. I, I, you know, I think I read somebody once on Facebook helped a friend with it type of thing. Um, and uh, and I, I wrote about this, and, and this is something that um, got written up in, in SC Magazine this week. And um, you, you can do the, the kind of caption on it. I'm just going to lead into it this way. I, my eyes are open to it in a way that I hadn't previously considered. Yeah. Um, so an interesting story for you then. Um, I had a, I'll end this on an anecdote because this is a, this is a problem, right? These, these types of issues where workstations get uh, locked, people lose access, they're encrypted by some, something extorting them, asking them for money. Um, I had uh, a client uh, recently, we were just having some sort of anecdotal discussions over lunch and, and one of them said, uh, you know, funny enough, we've, we've had a problem with uh, crypto locker uh, pretty significantly. He goes, but you know, the good news is um, our, our really crappy backup scheme actually saved us because the last time we did backups on these things was before hmm. um, before we had any uh, before any of this malware got on there. So, yeah, we lost some data, but some of it is in the consumer cloud. So, you know, security stinks, but he goes uh, jokingly, and um, although I suspect he wasn't really joking all too much, but basically he said, look, you know, our security isn't great, so people are storing stuff in the public cloud. He goes, but that's actually a good thing because we had a backup of the machine. We had a backup of the critical stuff, and the rest of it was in the clouds. So we could just recreate the machines and not have to pay the ransom. My head exploded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I don't. Yeah, it's kind of. That's, I think that's where my. Well, so well, and so here's the thing too, right? So the article that you pulled up, uh, the the headline is "Crypto Wall Surpasses Crypto Locker in Infection Rates," in a way that I kind of looked at it because and this has got great statistics and facts in it. And in mine, I cite a report that came out from Dumbala, also great statistics and facts in that. Um, but, but the thing that I, I guess that I looked at that's kind of interesting, and, and I, I hit it head on, is that we just got done talking about the breaches at Target and Home Depot and healthcare.gov. And these are people that come in and they insert malware, and they, and they do use whatever methods are available to them to execute their goals, and it's typically to siphon out large amounts of data then go sell it in a black market. Well, um, when you get to ransomware, it's much more like a smash and grab. It's a stick up. It's a cyber stick up. Uh, it's uh, you know, and, and uh, I when I first read that, I know, I know, and I was just going to address that. When I first read it, I was like, eh, okay, fine. But here's the thing, though, uh, and and I started to put this in the article, but but what I look at is I go, you know, it's interesting. How many of these people are we catching? Forget ransomware overall. How many cyber criminals? Because if if somebody's going to jump out of the shadows and demand your wallet, whether they have a weapon or not, that's pretty gutsy, man. And and there's a time when that works and there's a time when that doesn't work, but there's some personal risk involved in that. Okay, now I'm going to reach out over the internet and I'm multiple countries away and multiple hops and I probably know more about computers than you do and I'm going to uh, ransom off Whatever you're doing, anywhere from, you know, crypto wall was 200 to $2,000. Sometimes it's more on the hope that you're going to do something. And, and by the way, I'm not going to unlock it when you're done. I might try to extort more money from you or I'm just going to burn a connection and walk away. What are the likelihood of catching them? Yeah, not very good. Zero. So, so all of a sudden now, I look at this and go, holy cow, 
this is the rise. This is the new tide. This isn't, this isn't something that happened once and we took it down. And I think the article that, that you put out shows that. I mean, all right, so we knocked down CryptoLocker. Yay. All right, well, now we got Crypto Wall. And there's like four others out there that are going to keep coming up. And, and I read something the other day. I said, nah, ransomware, nah, they're not sophisticated. <laughs> Guys, they are. This is a business. And they're going to learn faster and they're going to measure better and, and they're, they're going to exploit this really fast. And so, you know, again, my article was written more to prompt conversation. So what do we need to do about it? I mean, I, I put some ideas uh, from an industry perspective, but I was glad that you brought up the, yeah, we had a broken backup process that kind of saved our ass on this one. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we're at a, a time where things are going to change. And one of the things that we keep talking about on this show is, so how do we do it positively? Let, let's, let's stop bitching and complaining about stuff. So let's have some of these conversations and minimally have them with us on Twitter and engage with us. And, and let's, let's start figuring out the positive things that we can do and, and where we have opportunities and, and we'll start addressing them. We'll solve them. I hope so. I mean, I, I, really, I really hope so simply because um, un until then we'll continue to get uh, consumers jumping to the next hot technology that's been uh, you know stuck together with uh, duct tape, bubble gum, and a prayer um, by some overzealous developer or some company hoping to, to beat somebody else to market. Um, we'll we'll continue to blame APT, China, Russia. Hmm. Uh, we'll continue to use phrases like, but we're pretty sure no information was used after it was stolen and taken from us. Um, and, you know, th look, it, it, something has to happen that changes some of this mentality. And whether it's a company like Google that simply forces the, the function and forces people um, – to, to I, I, look, I think for Google this is a gamble because ultimately this can blow up in their face and people just stop using the Google browser and go back to IE. Um, to go back to that point for a second because that just hit my brain. But um, th there's a lot of moving parts here. And will we will we talk about the next breach? Sure. Well, and I'll tell you what. I, I know that we've we've gone long today, and there's lots of fun stuff here. But but you know, as I'm kind of stepping back for a quick second and reflecting on everything we've talked about. So just so we're clear here. Uh, we, we have a need for better detection. We have a need for better transparency. But of the two big tech giants, Apple is responding to something that happened in the marketplace, and the result is we're going to improve security. And I'll tell you, I think that they've got a good track record of, of making it easier for people. And then Google said the same thing. Hey, we're taking a look at the stuff going on down there, and, and we're going to start forcing the hands of people in order to do better. Right? So one is, is very consumer-focused, and one is also consumer focused but also really connected into the back end of the way a lot of these types of things work um is either one going to get it right probably not what what any of us would would deem to be right on their first iteration but neither one is being prompted by the government that we can tell ne neither one is is got anybody saying well if you don't do this we're going to write regulations on it and i always think that that's important because from my perspective regulations both move slow and they're really cumbersome and they never hit the target um, and, and so what I like about this is we are seeing change, guys. We're seeing change. The question is, is it moving in a way that we like? And if it's not, then my question is, how are you contributing your voice to that conversation? And if nothing else, you got people like Roth putting it out there and doing this type of stuff. Uh, and this is where we can engage and we can advance these concepts. That's when I get excited about this. I think, I think we're at a turning point. I think people are paying attention to it. I don't think that means we know what to do. 
And I think we've got some opportunities in front of us. And so I'm going to end this, by the way, great, great closing thoughts. I'm going to end this in the uh, Jeremy Clarkson way where I will say, so what you're saying is uh, <laughs> that uh, regulation isn't the catalyst for change, but ultimately the cons- you know winning hearts and minds of the consumer because the consumer drives ultimately what changes are going to happen. And on that bombshell, we shall end the show. Um, Boom. Folks, boom. Thanks for listening. I know this has been a long one, but um James, we miss you, man. Come back, come back. Uh we've had a uh, we've had a great discussion. It is the eighth of September of twenty fourteen. I suppose if we do this show again exactly a year from now, many of these issues will still unfortunately be the same. But hopefully, folks, you will be the catalysts for uh, discussion to change and uh, the push that ultimately makes things better out there in your organizations, in your enterprise. And so as uh, hopefully uh, you, you've picked up something from this uh, newscast. Um, I love Catalyst. At Catalyst. Hit me on Twitter. That, that's, and that's Michael, um, <laughs> the Catalyst. All right. I'll post all the articles for you. Um, hopefully you've gotten uh, a little bit of knowledge out of this. And uh, we'd love you to share um, what you've learned or what you've uh, what your thoughts are. Uh, hashtag DTR. Michael James and I uh, watch that and are eagerly, eagerly awaiting uh, your uh, responses. Thanks for all the love, guys. Uh, folks, love you back. We'll see you in two weeks. Next week we're dropping a uh, heck of a podcast. It is on Red Dragon Rising. Um, can you guess what it's about? all right folks thanks for playing along this is raf the white rabbit we'll see you another time another place be good see you later bye-bye you've been listening to down the rabbit hole enterprise security news give us feedback on our website podcast.whiterabbit.net that's w-h-1-t-3-r-a-b-b-i-t.net or on twitter at white rabbit W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T. Till next time, on behalf of our co-hosts James Jardine, Michael Santarcangelo, and the White Rabbit, Rafael Los, thanks for listening. <laughs>